The port side town of Devonsport is, well, one would probably describe it as affluent. It certainly has a veneer of affluence. It certainly has the appearance of class, of quality. It's a small town in Washington State, just driving distance away from Seattle. And, as anyone who knows the area knows, that is a part of the world that costs a little to dwell within. And Devonsport is no exception. A town that has been built up successfully over the last century. It overlooks the bay. And... It's a comfortable form of living. Not much happens here in Devonsport. Not much to report on, anyway. And perhaps that's because, as mentioned, it has this affluent veneer. Everyone that lives here deserves to live here, or at least feels they deserve to live here. There's a lot of retired individuals who move from the city to come out to this peaceful portside town. There's one major high school, which we will revisit in short order. There are, of course, the usual city functionaries, the police, the fire crew, the usual corporate bigwigs, a mayor, and they hold up their end too. But beneath all that surface, beneath the oft-mentioned veneer, there is something crawling. There is something unwholesome, rotten, decayed beneath the surface and sometimes it shows its face sometimes you may be walking the streets of devonsport and see something that just does not make sense does not leave you comfortable does not reflect the quality that devonsport wants Sometimes that might be something as simple as an individual being bullied and harassed on the street. Such things don't happen in Devonsport, but they do happen in Devonsport. Sometimes it will be if you're working for the sheriff, you might get a call in that you've been slapped around by mum and dad and I need the sheriff to come over because dad's been drinking again. Now the sheriff says, oh, stop telling tales. Stop telling tales. Hangs up the phone. Sometimes... It'll be something a little stranger. Maybe an alleyway appears where we didn't see one before. And one of the very few homeless in this part of the world decides to venture down it looking for a warm place to sleep and just never, ever returns. Within a matter of days, the alleyway is gone. So there's a variety of phenomena that might occur in Devonsport to just penetrate that shell, that lacquer that Devonsport possesses that just makes it feel perfect on the surface. But that perfection is flimsy. It's like paper. And when you put pressure on it, you fall through it. And falling deeper into Devonsport's rot, into its innards, it's not something that's advised for anyone. Our three characters of Dwayne McLean, of Toby Hoivok, and Sylvia Spears are individuals who are just on the verge of falling through that paper-thin surface. 
They will very soon be confronted with things they cannot understand or easily explain, despite their various experiences in life. They are none of them young. Many of them have grown up in this part of the world, in Devonsport itself, in wider Washington perhaps. Plenty of them have bought into the lie of Devonsport, have made themselves rich or influential off the lie of Devonsport and have therefore signed up to the conspiracy of Devonsport. But that conspiracy, as conspiracies are off to do, will break down, and these three will be at the centre of it. As we approach the introduction of our characters, now that the setting has been laid before you, a warning to listeners... As will become shortly apparent, something tremendously bad has occurred in Devonsport within the last five weeks. A school shooting at Devonsport High. A class of 14 to 15 year olds, their teacher and various other students attempting to flee were gunned down. Understandably, this kind of content may not be for every listener. Therefore, If these kinds of subjects are too much for you, then feel free to switch off now and tune in to a different actual play. But onwards, for those who stick with it. Let us introduce ourselves to Dwayne McLean. By way of my introduction for Dwayne, well, on the surface Dwayne is a sheriff of a small town, Devonsport, has been for much of his life. It's been a successful career trajectory, knows when to persecute a crime, knows when to ignore it. He's certainly had his hand greased by city officials every now and then. Don't stop this person for speeding. Don't arrest this person for soliciting. But he likes to think he's an honest man. The straw that broke that back of honesty truly occurred ten years ago, which is where we will visit Dwayne. What does he look like ten years ago? What is his attitude towards his family, to Devonsport, to himself? At this point... My hair is almost gone. There's still a little bit of black, but, you know, it's thinning, and definitely in another ten years, there's probably going to be barely anything left. That's all right, though. I'm getting old. But ten years ago, I suppose, I still had a little bit of fitness left in me, a little bit of a spring, still. Even if I already have a tired, haggard expression, I try and keep cleanly shaven, although there's always a bit of stubble. Grey eyes hollowed look. I'm well built. You have to be to have my job. You need to be fit. So I'm quite tall. Haven't quite got a belly just yet, although it has started. And of course I'd be in my police uniform. My sheriff's uniform. Brown shirt. That badge. Not as clean as it used to be. It's not been easy, though. My wife passed... About 12 years ago, and ever since then, 
even though I have family, even though I have my daughter, who I'm very proud of, I... It's just not been the same. No, things have been slowly slipping what I actually care about. This town, <laughs> this town used to be something. Used to be something, but it's losing its way. It's losing its way, and I think I've started not really seeing the point in my job anymore. At least at this point. Perhaps you're not the only person that's thought that. Perhaps you're not the only person in Devonsport that realised that you would be more malleable, especially following the death of your wife. The way the cancer ate through her seemed to eat through you in a similar way, if psychologically, maybe not physically. And just as it's paralysed her before the end, it paralysed your view of Devonsport and your aspirations, your hopes. As you say, you have a great deal of affection and pride for your daughter. She's been so strong. She attempts to follow in your footsteps. She wants to pursue a career in the law. And certainly there are less safe places to do so than Devonsport. Ten years ago, as we are saying, you have been invited to the modern offices of Inzio Industry. Inzio Industry is named for its CEO, Jessica Inzio. Ms. Inzio is a powerful, a magnate of the area. It's largely due to her contributions, her finances, her industry that Devonsport has grown to be such a boomtown of the 20th and early 21st centuries. Her time, her management, and yes, her greasing of certain palms and wheels, and, well, undoubtedly there's been a little bit of bribery there, maybe going so far as to blackmail, has made Devonsport what it is today. And there's obviously a part of you that's going to be grateful for that, but also a part of you that recognises that much of the rot in this place starts with Ms. Jessica Inzio. Not the first time you've met her... But it is the first time she's invited you to her new office. I'll make my way in. I hate the way the place smells. And I hate her. Once, this would never even happen. Once, I would have never been coming to a private meetings with this goddamn witch. But, but, ever since, ever since she left, ever since she died, my, my wife, it just became harder to resist the the money. That's the problem with people like Jessica. They always have money. And, and my fucking pension was never going to cover everything. Especially making sure that my daughter had a good education. Not that she's used it, really, for police work, whatever. So, one day I just started coming, and now I've actually been here a few times. I hate it every time, though. Whenever she calls me, it means there's a probably going to be a paycheck for something and why not i've got to save up i've got to save up one day i won't be able to work anymore and i deserve a little nest egg I've, I've, I've earned it i've earned that nest egg so i walk in and i sit in the greasy chair lever and i'll do my best to smile and see what she wants me for this time as you sit down her assistant smiles at you assistant comes security guard recognizing you you don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing that 
he immediately knows who you are. Maybe it does mean you've spent a little much, a little too much time with Jessica and Zio. Chief, how you doing now? Hmm. Yeah. I'm fine. Uh, how you doing today? Oh, I'm fine, fine, fine. Just uh, clearing up the last few bills before I clock off for the day. Uh, I'm sure Miss Inzio will see you shortly. She's just seeing someone else right now. Please, uh, well, you know where the coffee pot is, and uh, feel free to help yourself to any of the magazines. I attempt to give a polite smile, but these days my polite smile always comes across as extremely forced. I'll just go and get myself a coffee. Uh, you investigated any uh, hot crimes lately, Chief? <laughs> any murders? What? Oh, I'm just uh, pulling your leg, Chief. I mean, hell, I've lived in uh, Devonsport now for, what, 20 years? Must be the, about the safest town if they'd ain't too on the nose. And, uh, well, I just wonder how you <laughs> justify your salary. Uh, it, no, no offense. Huh. No offense, eh? Listen here, young man. The door opens to her office. A young woman walks out, straightening her skirts. She doesn't look at you. Pointedly, she looks dead ahead. She looks flushed, harassed, walking off at speed. Oh, I'll see you next week, ma'am. She doesn't give any kind of signal, gets into the elevator, descends. I think that means uh, Mizinzio is happy to see you now, uh, Chief. <laughs> Part of me lets out a long sigh. I was ready to give this boy a right good turn off, but what the fuck's the point, I think to myself, and I'll just grunt and nod and head into the office. Jessica Inzio doesn't look up at you. She sat on the other side of her vast desk looking down at some papers with one hand, switching back to a computer screen, going back to the papers. Ah, Chief, sit down, please. I nod. I sit. You're here. I've already uh, groomed uh, uh, Irving out there to start referring to you as Chief. I think Sheriff is a little too colloquial, don't you? That's my title. Well, you know, potato, potato, as they say. She finally puts the paperwork down, adjusts her spectacles, looks over the rims at you. Yes, yes. So, Dwayne, have you been keeping well? You look well. Hmm. I've been trying my best. Still need to keep in shape, still got a job to do. Oh, and you've been keeping in shape, I can see that. Thick of arm and leg, I'm sure. <laughs> what? Why is it... Dwayne, that whenever you come in to see me, I know I don't often ask you to come all the way up to this floor. In fact, have I ever? But whenever we see each other, you always put on these this air of resentment, and then you end up doing exactly what I ask you to do. So let's cut the shit, okay? And get to business. My fist clenches a little subconsciously, because she's right, and it really grinds my gears. Uh, do you know Erin Fuller? I think about the name for a minute. Doesn't ring a bell, so I say... No. Well, you know, maybe it would be a little too hopeful of me to expect the chief to keep his ear to the ground, but I can't expect you to know the name of every single person in Devonsport, can I? Well, big news. Big news for you, big news for Devonsport, and an opportunity. 
Inzio industry is branching out to Inzio construction. Yes, I know, it's all very arrogant to have my name attached to two separate holding companies, but it's what the uh, lawyers, PR, etc. suggest, and therefore that's what we're doing. So that's the big news for Devonsport. More money for the city, town, I should say, might make it a city one day, but I don't know if we want to. But more money for me means more money for my friends, and that means more money will trickle down to you as well. Great. I say with hesitation. Again, I'm pulling no punches here. Uh, time is a factor. Uh, I would have cancelled my previous appointment, but there's some itches I can't scratch by myself. So, Dwayne, Erin Fuller, she looks at the paperwork again, that's it. Uh, journalist, not actually from Devonsport, uh, she came down from Seattle, wanted to look into Inzio Construction. Well, I was making all kinds of noise around some of the building sites, speaking to some of the middle managers, asking do they know where their money comes from, uncomfortable questions uh, and let me be candid Dwayne I hope you don't mind me being candid I kind of frown a little and say no you keep talking excellent well asking more questions than I am comfortable with really I just want her gone from Devonsport just gone you know, encouraged to leave and so that's where you come in You've always done right by me, and so I have always done right by you and your family, and when she was with us, your darling wife. So, and you, let, let us not forget uh, that, that the cost of that lengthy, sadly unsuccessful medical treatment was on Inzio Industry credit. Just shift in my seat, uncomfortable. So, I have the good old-fashioned brown envelope here, stacked with bills, enough for someone like you, to ferry Miss Fuller away from our town, where she is going to make trouble, because she's one of these young journalists that feels like everything has to be a story. She hasn't accepted yet that the way the world is going, every news story will be on someone's blog or social media, and ultimately journalists like her, reporters like her, won't matter. But she feels like she's some 1930s what-a-scoop journalist with a ticket in her hat, and that isn't the case. She is just a pest. A... cockroach. Because... I've tried ejecting her from sites using security, but this is just making her feel like the story must be there. And there is no story, Dwayne. Of course there's no story. But that doesn't mean she won't spread the idea that there is one. And I can't let my investors down. I can't let our community down. Uh, after all, your daughter is a part of this community as well. Of course. Although you know what they say, Miss Indio... If you don't want cockroaches, maybe you should stop hanging around in sewers. <laughs> oh, that's why I love you, Duane, your sense of humour. So, she pushes the envelope across the desk. A bit clandestine, I know, but it's the way I understand you prefer. Still haven't adopted the PayPal route. And I can't begrudge that. 
I suppose you don't have to declare it in taxes if it comes to you like this. I take the envelope. I frown. Again, I kind of take a moment to peek inside the envelope and just see how much money actually is in there. It's $10,000. It's not a massive payoff for brutal action, but it's a big payoff for just asking someone to leave town. My mouth goes a bit dry, and I just say, So, just uh, scare her off. Tell her that uh, she's going to get in trouble or something. You know, make something up. And Well, you're, you're the expert. She puts her hands up. You're the expert, Chief. You know how to exert the law and authority. I'm just a business owner who wants to run a clean ship and wants my community to prosper and all of that. So, really, the how is in your hands. I frown, I nod, and I make to stand, simply saying, Sure, I'll... uh, I'll see her off. Have a nice day, Miss Enzio. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure I will. And you too. And give my love to your daughter. Again, my fist just clenches a little. I hate it every time she talks about my family, my daughter. But I've taken the money before. What's this? This is just a just mildly scare young lady. Like, that's not difficult. It's a lot of money for that, so... Okay. I start leaving the office, trying to come together with a plan. Jumping to the present. Dwayne, you have been summoned to the Sunset Motel conference room. We are now ten years later. Around 2014, would be fair to say. You've been summoned not to meet with Ms. Inzio. I mean, that was over a decade ago, and everything that followed was... Well, it didn't all go to plan, as we will eventually discover. No, instead you've been summoned to meet with the mayor. Away from his office. Now you're semi-retired. You're not, uh... Permanently on the force, you can drop in whenever you want and still occasionally get involved in cases where various power players around town need you to, but you have your nest egg. You have your home. That $10,000 helped pay off the last of the outstanding balance. And yeah, occasionally you get a call like this. Of course, things have changed substantially in the last decade. Not the least of those changes was just over a month ago when that terrible shooting occurred at Devon's Port High. I mean, even you got the call. You had driven outside of town to have your lunch in a spot you used to enjoy with your wife. You still had your police car radio with you, and you got the call just as every other member of the police force in Devonsport did. Shooter at Devonsport High. You heard it clear as day over the radio. You'd stuffed your sandwiches back down into the case. You tossed your coffee out the window. You sped into town. By the time you got there, it was done but for the blood spillage. 
The police had gunned down the shooter. But many students were dead. And a teacher with it. It just hammered home the decay of this place. And since that time, five weeks ago, everyone has been on edge. It's almost like they're waiting for the penny to drop. If that's one disaster, when's the next one going to come? So you feel as if this summoning to the Sunset Motel is likely to be connected. Hmm. And so I'll make my way there, drive up, still wear the uniform, still wear the hat. The hair's mostly gone now. What's left definitely grey, and that belly grew. I'm still not completely unfit, but I'm no longer a young man, so I take my time. The incident was terrible. That sort of shit wouldn't have happened in Devonsport when I was a young man. That's for sure. Modern world. It's hell. As you make your way to the Sunset Motel conference room, leaving your car, you see a stray dog. Well, at least you... At first you think it's stray. Ambling across the parking lot. Of course, what makes you think otherwise is it does have a lead... It's just dangling from its neck as it drags it along the ground. This emaciated, almost decaying on its feet pug lolls towards you, panting away in the summer sun, clearly overheated. And then something grotesque. Its right eyeball just plops out from its socket. And the dog doesn't seem to acknowledge it. Instead, it sniffs and grabs the dangling eyeball with its mouth to the side and starts chewing it. And all manner of fluids, vitreous and otherwise, just drool from the sides of its slobbering mouth as it happily continues staggering on. Part of me wanted to go and help the thing. I mean, I like dogs. Dogs are a good animal, they understand. Loyalty. They, they don't betray anyone. But that poor thing. It's infected or sick. What the hell? You wouldn't have something like that back in the past. No, I'll have to... Shit, after I'm done with the mayor, I gotta ring animal control... He, her, he, he'll, he'll want to know. We, we can't have a dog like that walking around. She's probably gonna need to be put down. Poor thing. You enter the conference room, a far too hot room where the heating is on full blast despite the temperature outside. The air is thick and sticky with a mixture of the mould from the room and the sweat from its previous inhabitants. And you're not alone in here. You are sharing this room with one Toby Hoyvall. You know Toby, at least to some degree. You recognize him. And, well, you've both been around Devonsport for as long as you can remember. He sat there at the table, hands behind his head, feet up on the desk. Not who you were expecting to see here, that's for sure. Tell us something about yourself today, Toby. 
I'm tall, wearing a dark jacket, jeans, and a beanie. I um, used to be handsome. Not anymore, though. Poor skin tone, rings under my eyes, fairly emaciated features. All uh, telltale signs of someone who's been or is still struggling with uh, substance abuse. That's um, that's who I am. That's me, Toby. Toby Hoybuck. First Marines, 3rd Battalion. That's me. Tried to serve my country. Semper Fi. All that shit. Changed me. You did serve as well as you were able. As well as any... Any soldier was able. In Fallujah. And for the rest of your tour in Iraq. It was no picnic, that's for sure. It left scars, physical and mental. Most of which went untreated. Partly because, well... Who can trust a quack? But... More than that, the Marines have a code. You don't go in for all that pussification psychiatry where you start telling someone you don't know about all your nightmares, about all the people you've killed. Hell, it's part of the job. That doesn't mean there's any glory in it. That doesn't mean there's pride to be found in every single time you pull the trigger. But nor should it become someone else's problem. You signed up for it. You knew what you were getting into. Or at least you thought you did. And now you're home. You're home in Davensport. You've been home in Davensport for six years. And still it feels like you're serving. You still wear your dog tags. You still wear your olive greens. You even had your battalion tattoo touched up every now and then. I did. You happen to see, of course, this individual you know well, Dwayne McLean, entering conference. Recognizing Toby, I'll be a little surprised, but I'll go over, extend a hand to shake his. He's okay. Sure, sometimes he's hit the drink too much, him and his brother, but I've always respected him. He served. He did his country good. I can respect that. So what if he occasionally needs to sit in a cell? Besides, he hasn't sat in a cell for some time. So, yeah, I'll try and shake his hand and say, Olvuk? I uh, stand up and uh, straighten up, you know. It's authority, after all. It's supposed to treat authority with respect. And I shake his hand. Dwayne, good to see you. Yeah. Fancy seeing you here. Yeah. Life is... strange, that way. Certainly is, but, uh... You weren't, uh... You're not here to see the mayor, are you? Why am I here, really? Well, you've been invited here by your uncle, who also happens to be the mayor. I mean, you see Stanley Dapperton as uncle first, mayor second. But still, he asked for you to come to the Sunset Motel today at this time. 
he hadn't told you that Dwayne McLean would be here. And you know, this isn't the first time you've been invited somewhere only for police to suddenly arrive. They call that entrapment. But it doesn't feel like that this time. The mayor asked me to be here. Michael. You know, that's why I'm here. Huh. I suppose that makes sense. Well, hopefully it ain't nothing too... Uh, <laughs> troubling. Still, good to see you. Glad you've, uh, not been hitting the drink so much. At least in public. My, uh, my uncle's been helping me out. Um, went to rehab. It worked for a while. Rehab? Yeah. Yeah, that stuff works. Good on you. Good on you, kid. Yeah. Could you make a keeping it together roll, please, Toby? Thirteen. The heat in this room is getting oppressive. Need to work out how to turn these heaters down. It's starting to feel just uncomfortable. You're starting to feel the beads of sweat actually trickling down from your armpit and into your vest. That's never comfortable. No. I hate the fucking heat. I had enough of it over there. Fuck. I'm starting to look around to see if there's a ceiling fan or some windows I can open, something to take the heat down. There are some windows. The heater, an old-fashioned model you can't imagine has been updated since the 80s or early 90s, is blasting out hot air, reeks of burned dust. Whoever switched on has got a sick sense of humour at this time of year. You think you could probably open some of the windows, though? Yeah, I'll, I'll go do that. I'll start to open some windows. That'll do me good. They'll fix this. As you head over to the windows and you start cranking them open, one of those old-fashioned single-pane jobs, where you twist the handle and the window squeaks out millimetre by millimetre, barely letting in a fraction of the amount of air you need. You think you see someone on the opposite side of the road to the parking lot. It's a familiar face. It's a face you haven't seen for quite some time. Bundled up in a parka, thick, and wearing heavy trousers, military boots. It's your... I mean, you can only see his face poking out from that mass. It looks like your brother, Ken. You've not seen Ken in months. He just... He just went walkabout, as they say, after a camping trip. But he just seems to be staring at you. He's a—he's in the distance. There's cars going past along the road. But he's just standing there, staring at the motel window that you're now grinding open. I call out to him, try to catch his attention. Hey, Ken! And I, I wave my hand, try to catch his attention. As you shout out and wave your hand, Ken sits down on the sidewalk, his feet in the road, his knees up by his chin. Now you can't see him whenever a car goes past. He's not tall enough to clear any of their roofs. You just catch glimpses of him whenever the traffic subsides. I have to I have to get out there. I have to, I have to find him. Hey, uh, Dwayne, sorry, I... I... My, my brother's out there. I, I... 
he's been missing. All right, I have to go. And I just begin making my way out of there. I, I, I can't stay here. As you leave the conference room, a car pulls up directly in front of it. Almost with a screech. Maybe the driver was thinking of something else and then seeing you is jolted back into alertness. This is Sylvia Spears. She has also been invited to the Sunset Motel. As you look past Sylvia's car, trying to peer over it, you just try and walk around the hood. You can't see Ken there anymore. You can't see your brother on the other side of the road. He's just gone as Sylvia is getting out of her car. It just fills you with frustration that she's in the way. I mean, she couldn't have done anything. Uh, she has nothing to do with this. She's on the other side of the street, for one thing, but it's just as if her presence, her very being there, is an obstacle to you finding your brother. Makes me angry. Really makes me angry. But I try to push it away. I, I mean, he was there. I saw it. I mean, I see stuff that isn't there sometimes. I mean, quite frequently, really, but, but not him. No, he... He hasn't been a mirage or an illusion, no. When I've seen him, he's been real. He must be there. I just try to make my way to where I saw him. I'm I'm searching desperately. As you are battling with traffic, let's talk about Sylvia. Who is Sylvia Spears? I am a corporate lawyer for Inzio, for... Jessica's company, and I have been so for, well, almost as far as my career stretches. I am in my late fifties, my hair having greyed a bit. I have piercing green grey eyes with darkly lined irises. Um, my hair is graying, it's straight, falling immaculately down to my shoulders on both sides of a perfect split part. I don't wear much makeup these days, but the day I stop wearing my dark red lipstick and sharp eyeliner is the day I can no longer control my own body. And I still have a few years left of that, I like to think. A few discreet Botox injections have kept my natural wrinkles at bay, but my chin and neck has slacked more than I would like them to. I hide part of it with my tightly kept white shirt collar and tie, light grey suit jacket and pencil skirt along with slick pumps gives me a strict slim shape like an old greying puma still ready to pounce on weakness or swipe my claws at anything that stands in my way, referring less to my dark red varnished nails and more to my sharp wit, my menacing appearance and my will to get my way. And at this moment I was slightly caught up in something I can't really remember what I was thinking about, but all of a sudden this supposedly war hero, but looking more like a bum and from what I've heard, is more of a drunkard, steps out almost in front of my car. Good for him, I still have reflexes. And there he goes, running off onto the other side, trying to cross through traffic as I'm stepping out of my car. 
I have a bad feeling that he is going to be in this outsourced, I suppose, meeting as well. Toby, you pushing past Sylvia? Yeah, I have to find Ken. As you approach the road, cars whizzing past, it's quite clear to you now, Ken isn't there. There is a small bundle of clothing on the other side of the street. You think it's one boot, the parker you saw, but he's not there. What the hell? What the hell happened? I just shake my head. I, I can get to it, right? Yeah, yeah. You would just wait for the traffic to abate. I, I do that then, and and I, I cross the road and I, I go out to the park and I pick it up. I, I smell it. Does it smell like him? Smells of unwashed person. It doesn't have any particular odor that makes you think of Ken. No trademark aftershave or deodorant just old sweat I look at the boots I don't recognize him right I haven't seen him wear this have I he was always fond of wearing the black Dr. Martins this is a black Dr. Martin though it's very beaten up then again if he has been living rough for these last four months since you last saw him Stand to reason that it would have been worn down a little. Any pockets on the jacket? Yeah, uh, there is. You rifle through them. I don't know what I'm hoping to find, but I want to find him. I want to help him. In one of the pockets, you do find a piece of paper. It's folded over four times tightly. My, uh,. My heart starts racing, and I feel like, oh, all right. Maybe maybe this will tell me where he's gone. I uh, unfold it. There's writing on it. It's handwriting. It's scrawled. You don't know if it's Ken's. It looks like it's been written by a hand so shaky, either through nerves, maybe alcohol withdrawal. It just says, forget me. <sighs> Of course, Ken served as well. You weren't the only member of the family to fight in the war. When he came back, he was in an even worse state than you. He had moments of lucidity, moments where he tried to fit in with the world at large. But some people can never come back, not fully, from a theatre like that. Yeah. Kindred souls in that way. We saw so much. And I think we left a lot behind. We've been trying so hard to get it back, but I've just failed and I've just fallen back to, to the drink, to the drugs. Forget. Forget all those things that I see when I close my eyes. Those sounds that I hear. The call to prayer, the sound of Humvees and strikers rolling by outside. Screams. Sickening sound of bodies ripped to shreds by 50 cal. My war is over, but it really can never end. Jarring you, almost rattling the teeth in your skull, comes the blaring 
of a car horn. The town cars pulled into the parking lot of the motel. It's your uncle's Stand Apperton, the mayor. He gets out, clearly having aimed to get your attention. He stood there outside the conference room with the woman who nearly ran you over, with Dwayne McLean, with his assistant. Toby, did you forget which side of the road the motel was on? Get over here! Uh, sure. Sure, Uncle. Um, sorry. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter. I... I make my way to him, make my way back to the motel. Um, I'm, I'm here for a job, I need to remember that. I'm here to help him, and I need to do that. I won't. God damn, you're all supposed to be waiting in the conference room. Get in. Sorry. Mrs. Uh, Spears, pleased to see you again. Chief Ma- Chief McLean. Mayor, I didn't realize that uh, you'd be involved. I've gotten unsatisfyingly little information about what this is about, but it is a pleasure to see you as well. Well, I'm sure the pleasure's going to be all mine now. Please, everybody inside, and let's close the door. And close the goddamn windows! I'll go to close the windows and just tip my hat and say, Appleton! And I'll uh, spot the seat where Dwayne was sitting, and I'll place myself somewhere nearby. He's uh, some years older than I am, but uh, he's pulled through, and he seems to be on top on what... He seem... He's always seemed to be on top of what he's doing, surprisingly enough, and he's on our books. I know that. He's not a bad man, though I know he's got his demons. And I'll make sure I'll sit near... At least someone who is seemingly capable, who's involved in this. Toby, will you shut the fucking door? Uh, I, <clears throat> sure. Um, I, I, I do that. I close the door, and I, if there are any windows still open, I, I move to, to try to help close them as well. It was my doing, after all. Thank you. Ah. <sighs> I'm sorry for my language, uh, Mrs. Spears. Uh, times are stressful right now. You can see his tie is loose around his neck, his wobbly jowls. It's almost as if they breathe out when he undoes the top button of his collar and flop over the ridge. He strokes the moustache on his upper lip. And dabs some of the sweat on his forehead. Why he would choose to be in a room as hot as this and make it even hotter. God only knows. Well, there was supposed to be a fourth of you, but we're going to carry on without. Uh, I'm, uh, are you taking notes? He says to his assistant. She nods. Good. But keep them secure. Uh, straight to me after. Got that? Right. Mm. Good. Uh, well, good afternoon. Uh, I won't make any introductions. Uh, you all know who I am, and I know who you are. I, I think you all know each other. He offers a tired smile, <coughs> clears his throat, 
continues. His eyes are bloodshot. There's dark circles underneath them. He's blinking incessantly. She and I, rather, uh, I want you to find out the truth about the horrific shooting at our high school. We have, uh, frankly, given up faith in our usual authorities, begging your pardon, Chief McLean, and need a few fresh sets of eyes. That's where you come in. You see, the Bureau, they were poking around for the last month, and all they had to say was, well, the kid was bullied, or the kid broke, or the kid was unhinged all along, blah, 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 blah. And that's why he got done what he did. And, well, we need to be sure. Each of you has been selected for your skills or position. Chief here, he points at you, McLean, will give you access to any official police records, won't you, Chief? I blink. I give Spears a bit of a look. Yeah, I know her. She's Jessica's pet vulture. Or crow. I'm never quite sure which bird she is, but she's definitely a bird of some kind. That's what I always think. But I do look at Holvok a little confused. What the hell use could he be? Bless his soul. But I don't say any of this. I just say, Sure, Mare. But if you don't mind me saying... What makes you think the truth isn't the truth? What makes you think this isn't some poor kid watching too many YouTubes and playing too many violent video games or something? What makes you think there's more to it than that? What do you know? Or think you know? He frowns at you, if it's possible to frown even further than he already was, stares. We all know... That the person who hired you, uh, and she, uh, they, uh, yeah. Anyway, when, when, wants something, uh, she will use any means necessary to find it. Uh, ours is not to reason why, lady, gentlemen, it's, uh, to do and die. Can I roll intuition here? Dapperton is acting a little strangely, even for his usual self. Please do. Please try to read a person. Twelve. Yeah, he's clearly under the cosh, as in he's being... He's been asked, if not commanded, to do this. And based on the twitchiness of his eyes, the shakiness of his language, you're not even certain he knows why. I think to myself, that's strange. He doesn't normally... <laughs> I've never known him to normally be at the beck and call of someone else. Not like me. But, alright, I'll just say... I mean, okay, how about, yeah, just keep keep going. Alright, well, th- thank you, Chief, thank you. I need you to interview the witnesses... Read the reports. Again, the Bureau were not thorough in the slightest here. There were people that they missed. People that our own police force, and again, he looks at McLean, didn't take seriously. And I know, I know, sometimes things happen in Durrensport, and we 
We brush them under the carpet to keep the peace. That's not what she wants right now. She wants no stone left unturned. Do a good job. Move on from there. Any questions? I can't help thinking to myself quietly as my head buzzes slightly from all the anti-psychotics that I'm currently on that this must have something to do with Jessica. Why would I be called in for this otherwise? There's uh, just... I don't see the angle and why doesn't she just then tell me what exactly she wants to find? Because she knows that I'll find and create proof of whatever proof she wants. Is this supposed to be a real investigation? I do voice something of the sort, and I say, so what would be a satisfactory outcome? What is the... What is it that we hope to find? He blinks furiously about somewhere between five and fifteen times. The truth! You have listened to an episode of Red Moon Roleplaying, where we played The Shunned for Cult Divinity Lost, which was written by Jonas Nelson, with additional material from Petanalo. The Shunned was released as part of the Screams and Whispers scenario collection. Our Game Master was our dear friend Matthew Dawkins, and the series has been sponsored by the fine folks at Helmgast. The music was made by Atrium Carceri, featuring a number of collaborations with other artists, and was used with permission from their label, Cryochamber. Check out their website at cryochamber.bandcamp.com or their YouTube channel for some moody dark ambient. We would like to give massive thanks to our champions of the Red Moon, Martin Hoyshobert, Nastasha Rollerson, Simon Cooper, David, Julia, Camilla, Ludwig Manford, Bob Lange, Julian, Cameron, Xavier, and Anton for their generous support. And we would of course also like to thank all of our other patrons. Without your support, this show would not be possible. If you want to support our work, please check us out on Patreon. You can get access to bonus campaigns for Cult of Inti Lost and Coriolis there, as well as get early and raw access to all of our recordings. You can also hear your name read on the show as the Champion of the Red Moon, as well as play Cult with us. Most importantly, that support is what keeps the show going, so do check us out there. Thank you again for listening, and remember, death is only the beginning.